Well, here we are on to episode two of uh, Everyone's Got a Crazy Story. Uh, so, I've been realizing that this first period of this podcast is going to be a little autobiographical, although that wasn't really the the outset of the idea. Um, you know, I've talked to some folks since I published episode one and um, really understood that there's there's a lot of stories out there that need to be told. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm working on, uh, on some folks in my, in my, uh, in my world to bring on and, um, and tell their story. Uh, and, but until that point comes, um, at least through the first five episodes, uh, it's going to be pretty autobiographical and, um, it wasn't really meant to be that way, but I do realize that I am the most readily available resource that I have. So, uh, again, if I didn't say it in the last episode, I don't think I did, but uh, my name's Tom. And I want to really give the universe some stories from my own world. I got some stories to tell, but I know everybody does. And I want to work to build an inventory of of stories of people's lives that have, like I said it before, you know, altered their paths or changed their perspectives. And, um, I think that, uh, I think that some of these will be valuable to some others, you know, and for some, it'll just be purely entertainment. Um, and for the time being, you know, like I said, for the first five here, uh, these will be these will be some of my stories. Um, this this one, you know, from that I'm going to tell today, is uh, is quite different than the first one, and quite different from the next one that I've got lined up. Um, you know, and it's I really want to give a a broad spectrum of what I mean by everyone has a crazy story, and by no way means. In, am I telling these stories to set myself apart from anybody listening? I mean, I'm just a regular person, just like all of the people listening out there. But this next one is going to take a little background. It's going to be a little bit more, probably one of the most autobiographical of the stories. Um, and so, uh, yeah, let's get to it. So, so I grew up, I grew up uh, outside Washington, D.C. in a county called Montgomery County. Montgomery County, Maryland, and Montgomery County, Maryland, you can Google it, but Montgomery County, Maryland is a pretty big uh, county within the state of Maryland, um, pretty well off in general um, county, you know, just outside the, the D.C. area, just outside Washington, D.C., and uh, about a million people in Montgomery County today, and as opposed to like the state I live in now where there's seven million, so we're talking about one county in a state of Maryland with a million people in it <clears throat> and just uh you know some 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 background and, and kind of to build up to this you know and tell this whole story you're gonna uh, I'm gonna explain a little bit about what it's like to live down there uh so it's very it's a very eclectic community and it's broad it's big there's a lot of traffic there's a lot of people there's just people everywhere and people of all 
like kinds, creeds, colors, races, types, whatever you want to categorize. If you want to categorize people, it's just all types of different people. And, you know, the one of the best, I'd say, examples of that is, you know, is the street I grew up on. So I grew up, you know, in a part of the county that, you know, was straight middle class. I mean, I didn't know how much my parents were struggling until I was much older. Uh, and from the outside, certainly didn't appear that they were. But like like I am today, like most people are, they were, they were, you know, check to check, making things happen for their kids as best they could and keeping them innocent and hiding the you know, the issues from us, from me and my brother. And, and, and so this neighborhood I grew up in was, uh, you know, so imagine like a main road, you know, a two lane, but main road in the county, busy county, big county. Um, and we lived in a part where there was a little, there was some trees, there was some trees, you know, in my backyard, but, you know, also in my backyard was a graveyard. And when I say I grew up living like with a graveyard in my backyard, I mean, I can't, I can't explain it any more than that other than, I mean, straight up, like we had a nice backyard, nice. I mean, like in the sense that we could, you know, we could throw the football around the backyard a little bit, you know, but right up against right there, right out my window, uh, my, my kitchen window was a graveyard and right like through my backyard, just a quick little, was not a big backyard, nice backyard, but it wasn't big at all by any stretch. And there was a graveyard, you know, with a Revolutionary War uh, grave and a, you know, uh, Civil War, a couple of Civil War graves. And I think, you know, my mom and dad lived there 30 years. I lived there off and on, you know, for the better part of 11 or 12 years. And I think probably two or three times while I was living there, we had to shut the shades and the curtains and everything because they were having a funeral and they let us know, but it was literally right out my back window, but out my front window. So imagine like a main road, big main road. We didn't live on the main road. So off the main road was a neighborhood and that neighborhood was basically a U from one part of that main road to another part of that main road. And we lived at the very bottom of that U, if you were thinking of it, and on a cross street so that U had a cross street right at the bottom of it. And we lived at the corner of that cross street. So big main road with a neighborhood off of it. And we lived at the four corners of that neighborhood, if you will. And those four corners were consisted of my family, which, you know, for all intents and purposes, Caucasian middle class, struggling middle class, if you will. Um, you know, and directly across the street from me was a Haitian family. That lived there for, I mean, ever, as long as I can remember, till I moved out. And I know when my mom and dad moved out, it was like the kids living there, you know, but they were straight up from Haiti. They were super awesome human beings, you know, we smiled, waved, we never hung out with them, but we, you know, we were neighbors. And then Caddy Corner, so straight across the four corners, on the other side was a Middle Eastern family. And they were, same deal amazing human beings you know I went to high school and middle school with a couple of the kids <clears throat> never stepped foot in their house but knew them played with them played football with them you know like on the you know in the neighborhood rode bikes every now and again with one of their kids they had a bunch of kids over there and then directly across the U road if you will you know so on the other corner the fourth corner of that intersection there was a uh, like a Chinese American couple, and they they were the first ones to move out out of those four, 
In fact, I think all of them were there for better part of 15, 20 years. Um, and then that, that Chinese-American couple, uh, they had one kid, um, and I never went to school with that kid. You know, that kid was a baby when I was, you know, 9, 10 years old. And uh, and they moved out first, I know that. But then, you know, when my mom and dad moved out, I think the other two houses were still, you know, had still the, the Middle Eastern family. With, they had several generations coming through there, and, and the Haitian family with was whittled down to just the kids, basically. But, um, you know, so that was a microcosm of Montgomery County, Maryland. I mean, it was super eclectic, you know, very diverse, amazing. I love that part of my life and my story. I love this this county I grew up in. And the high school I, grew, I went to, you know, had about 2,000 kids in it. And, you know, so I graduated with, like, maybe... She's probably almost 500, 400, 450 kids, maybe 300. I don't know how many, but definitely over 300, 350 kids I graduated with. And so it was just a just a busy, thick, you know, eclectic place to grow up in. And, you know, exposed to all types of stuff, which some of these other stories down the road, you know, will pull from some of those experiences. But. But so, so this story places me in that environment, you know, in my senior year in high school and <clears throat> I have an older brother. And so by this point in my life, he was out of the house and I don't know where he was in his life, but he wasn't living with me my mom and my dad. It was just the three of us. And, you know, in general, I was a good kid. I gave him some trouble, but in general, good hearted kid, you know, I uh, got in my own stuff, did my, you know. Like, I got in trouble a little bit, but in general, I was a good kid. No issues. Awesome set of friends. I mean, you know, the person I am today really is the same exact person I was and am and became, you know, my junior, senior year in high school. And there's too many friends and people to introduce and run down and talk about and, you know, that I'm close to still to this day. And the, the person I became then is the same person I am now. Obviously, I've been through a lot, you know, like everybody listening to this as you grow up, but, you know, my perspective might have been altered or changed. My experiences might have been, you know, increased. I might have more notches on my belt. Of course I do. When I was 17, 18, my understanding of the world might be vast, might be more vast or better than when I was that age, you know, but in general, the person, the personality, the human being, the person I I was then is the same exact person I am now. And so my senior year in high school, you know, and this will be a part of a story down the road, but, you know, I got injured in my, I was a wrestler in high school. I got injured and I was, you know, I was hurt, but so I, I, I got better a little bit, you know, this is like right after Christmas and of my senior year in high school and I already had my injury and I was healed up a little, healing up a little bit. And I'll never forget this one day, you know, <clears throat> this one day. My buddy Manny, you know, he he introduced me to this kid in, in in the school in the hallway, and he was like, "Hey, man, this is Yost. You know, he's an exchange student. He's from Germany." And now I've walked by this kid, you know, like a bunch of times. I mean, if we were, we're I'm talking about like this is like January zone after after Christmas of my senior year, and. You know, just the way the high school was, like, I would have walked by this kid a thousand times and never guessed he was from Germany. So, 
you know, he he was uh, half African, half white German, and he grew up in East Germany um, until the wall came down. So a little younger than me, I think he was born in like 82, 81, and he'll be pissed that I don't know when he hears this, but so he, you know, he, he was a little younger than me, but he was classified as a senior in our grade and, and he was an exchange student. And Manny, Manny was a musician, you know, and they met in band. And Manny's still a musician to this day. And uh, and so he introduced me to him one day in the hallway. And I don't know, man, and it was weird. It's hard to explain, but we just started hanging out. So I had a big group of friends. I had like multi-layered different groups of friends, but really a main like like cluster, a main like a like a, a group of friends that still I'm friends with to this day, group texts, you know, whatever we, when I get down there and I can see whoever I can see if somebody's in town I get there and I try and see them I mean we're still tight with that group I'm still tight with that group you know and so not odd but like you know it was just all of a sudden he introduced me to this guy and we started hanging out like we started like going out after after school you know I'd give him a ride home it started out slow like that you know I gave him a ride home and and then and then I said, hey, man, you want to come over? And we started hanging out at my house and we started kicking the hacky sack and we started just hanging out all the time. And, you know, he wasn't really like at that point, he wasn't really like a, like intermingled with like my other main group of friends. Right. Like not everybody was available after high school every day. Not everybody hung out all the time. You know, we hung out on the weekends or whatever. But this guy, Yost, you know, he and I for probably like two, three weeks were like just solid, you know, like all of a sudden, man, he introduced us in the hall one day. I never forget meeting him for the first time and probably gave him a ride. I mean, he probably said something like, Hey, yours needs a ride home. This is my friend yours from band. Can you give him a ride home? It's probably something like that. And then I gave him a ride home, but then we started hanging out and, you know, we got in our own little mischief. You know, we did our thing, you know, we rolled one up every now and again, or we, you know, we, you know, just two, two of us hanging out, you know, and, but, he wasn't really glommed on to like the rest of my friends at that point. He was just like a, like a side friend. It's kind of hard to explain that. I kind of, I don't know how to say that, but you know, we, we definitely were getting close. And so this guy Yost, you know, one day he had a sponsor. So he was living in the house and he was, you know, and I dropped him off a few times. I think I went in there like once or twice and you know, I don't want to say anything too negative because, you know, it might catch up to, you know, my, somebody might hear this and knows that person, whatever. And I still think, she, you know, they're around or whatever. But like, you know, it was not the best situation for him. And that was apparent, like on the jump. Like when I think he brought me in there the one time to be like, yo, this is how I'm living. And it was just like rough. It was like rough, rough, you know, and but that's how a lot of people live. You know, I mean, I'm not 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 like us dogging it. It was just like, man. I did think to myself, like, this is this guy's, like, you know, trip to America for a year. You know, he was 16, 17, 16. I was 17. He was 16. And this was, like, his view of it. This was, like, what he was getting to see, you know. And so I started asking him, you know, when he had, when he had like, gotten there. You know, when he came to the States. And, you know, he came to the States in August. All right. So he's been been in the States since August. Now we're talking, like, it's January. Like, all right. So did you get down to the capital, to D.C.? Because, like, 
we were just a metro stop, a couple metro stops away. I mean, we lived at the end of the red line, basically, if anyone knows the area. And uh, Glenmont, back in the day, they might have extended it since I've been gone. but So it was like, you know, just like a five, ten minute from where he was, maybe like ten minutes. Because he lived a little bit further from the metro than I did. I lived a little closer. So maybe it was like five, six, seven minutes from my house. Maybe like eight, nine, ten minutes from his spot where he was staying. And I was like, man, you know, you get down to D.C., you get down to see the whatever, man, the Constitution, the Air and Space Museum, you touch a moon rock yet, you know. There was a time in my life I felt like, man, every summer, felt like every other season, cousins were coming in and we were going to go down to the Air and Space Museum and see the Wright Brothers playing the first plane to ever fly, the moon rock. I mean, that's what I'm trying to say is I, I feel bad now thinking about how I was when I was a kid, how I took some of that stuff for granted. And I certainly have made sure to fortify my child, my children's lives with some of those experiences, but... You know, but now we're sitting there in January, February, and I'm like, man, you you know, you get down to D.C. yet? And he's like, nah. And I'm like, nah. Like, you had, you didn't get down to, yeah, but, you go, what? You, you, this is where you, you, you came over here to the States for one, you know, trip as a foreign exchange student. And, you know, dude grew up under communism, like, for his first seven, eight years or however old till the wall came down. And then... And he gets over here, 96, 97, you know, this was like January of 1997, I guess, when we were starting to hang out, you know, but he got over here in like August of 96, and and he ain't never done nothing yet, so it was like perplexing to me, and I didn't throw him in the car and run him right down, you know, I thought we had some time, I was, you know, just getting to know him, and so... You know, we were hanging out for a good two solid weeks, two, three weeks. And and we weren't best friends, you know. Like, we were, you know, at that moment, we were, you know, tight acquaintances, you know. And and so this one night, you know, I remember forget, you know, I was, I was sitting at dinner with my mom and dad, just the three of us, and the phone rang. And back then, you know, there were no cell phones, right? So the phone rang up. You know, I sat closest to the phone at dinner and I picked it up, yo, hello. And it was Yost. And he was like, hey, Tom, hey, uh, I'm with my sponsor right now. So he had a family he lived with. And I don't know what that's classified or called as. But then he had someone else that was like, you know, he called his sponsor. And I should know her name, man. I should know her name, but I can't remember her name. I can picture her, but I, I don't know her name. So he had this other person that like, I I gotta breathe. I gotta breathe better. I'm telling these stories. I hate yawning, but I always do when I talk a lot or I sing in the shower or something. And I start yawning. But anyway, so he called me, and he was like, "I'm with my sponsor." I don't remember her name. I want to say it was like Patty. That's my mom's name, so it couldn't have been Patty. I don't remember that, but it was like something, something with a P, I think. Anyway, he was like, "I'm with my sponsor," which wasn't the people he lived with. It was like this other chick that worked for the company that sponsored the exchange student program and he was like hey i'm with her and it was like you know seven eight o'clock at night and he's like hey i'm with my sponsor and uh and i want to know if it's okay if i come over and she talks to your mom and dad and i talk to you for a little bit and i was like yeah man of course dude like how i answered on the phone I was like, yeah man of course absolutely no problem 
you know, so I hung up the phone. And I told my mom and dad, I was like, yo, Yost, you know, they had met him a couple times at this point, I guess. And they were like, I was like, yo, Yost is, uh, he's coming over. He wants to chat. And, uh, I think I told him right then and there, you know, I think I was like, yo, I think he's going to want to stay here. And they're like, what? And I was like, oh, I, I don't know. It was odd. Eight o'clock at night and he wants to come over and the sponsor wants to talk to you and he wants to talk to me. I mean, you know, you can draw a dotted line. So anyway, five, ten minutes later, knock on the door. And he comes in and she comes in and he's like, hey, Tom, can I come up? Can I come talk to you up in your room? And I'm like, yeah, of course, man. And she goes and she goes talk to my mom and dad in the kitchen. And me and him go up my room. And at the time, my room was wild, man. Like I, I was wild back then. I had a couch in my room. I had like, I had a, upstairs and this house was not that big. But I had a couch and a, you know, some incense burning. I mean, like I got away with murder up there, you know, like honestly, like I, my mom and dad were great. And I, I gave them hell, you know, I really did. And came through all those storms just fine. But, you know, I put them through the ringer. So my room was a chill spot. And... So we went upstairs and sitting on the couch and he's like, just came right out on it. He was like, Hey man, look, you know, we were kids, you know, he was 16, he was 17. So now I'm telling it from the voice of a 40 something year old. So it wasn't quite, our voices weren't quite as deep and, you know, it wasn't quite as maybe as blunt, but it was like, Hey man, look, um, my living situation is whack and I'm going to have to go home. And I hate to do this to you, but I don't want to go, but I, I need to find another place to stay. If I don't find another place to stay by the end of the week, you know, then I got to go home because I can't do, I can't live in the situation I'm living in and I got to go back to Germany. And I was like, damn, like, damn, like in my mind, I was like, shit, that's a lot of. You know, not pressure on me. I didn't. I didn't really feel any pressure then on that situation or that question. I felt like shit. This guy's about to bounce. Like with the getting like, like giving getting this close, getting this close to the let's just call it you know, the Constitution, if you will, or you know, America, like the beating heart of the country. Like when I was growing up, our news. Our, I always say, you know, my local news was world news. Growing up that close to the capital and. You know, and and it was. That's a true statement, you know. And D.C. at the time was crazy, man. I mean, at one point, it was like the Myrtle capital of the world when I was growing up. Or at least the country or something, man. It was whack. It was crazy back then in the day. And anyway, but it was a spot that, like, people try to get to. It was modern-day Rome. It still is. And to think in my mind, and you know, at that moment, I was like, man, this guy's about to go home. Like, without even putting his toe in the water. Without even getting the opportunity to put his toe in the water. So... He said that his sponsor was downstairs basically telling my mom and dad the whole gist. And I don't know those details, you know. I don't know. I don't I don't think. I don't think they got a stipend. I have no idea. You know, I don't think they got paid or anything like that. It wasn't like a foster kid or anything like that. I mean, he was an exchange student. But anyway, so I was like, look, man, I'm good. It's fine with me, you know. And here I am, mid middle of my senior year, you know, living with my mom and dad, just getting over an injury. I think I was just about to get started in that old job, you know, and <clears throat> and uh and I and I was actually kind of excited, 
you know, I was like, this was, this was, this could be tight, you know, really give a guy some, an experience. And little did I know, you know, what that experience would be for me. And so I said, look, man, I'm good. Let me, you know, I'm sure my mom and dad, we got to chat on it, you know, like, I, 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 this is the part where I can't really remember exactly if like they left and I called him or they waited in the car and I called him back in. I can't really remember that, but I remember after they were gone. So we must have called them. I must have called them later that evening or the next morning or something. But because at a certain point, like when she talked to them and, and then she talked to me a little bit and, then, and he talked to me, he talked to them a little bit. And then it was just the three of us again. Like, they came in, they came through for, like, you know, an hour or whatever, and then they left, and then it was the three of us at the kitchen table, and they were like, they put it on me, you know, they were like, what do you think, Tom? And I was like, well, I can't, I'd hate to see this guy go all the way back to his home country without really getting a flavor for what America could be, is, can be, you know, and, and you know, because he grew up, you know, he grew up, like I said, his father was an African that came over in the early 80s to Germany, into East Germany, no less, to study, I think, medicine. And got with his mom, you know, I don't, they never got married, whatever, they dated. And got her pregnant, and I think he bounced on that, you know. I think that was like a scary moment for him, you know. He, he was this foreign, he was an exchange student. He was, you know, a minority in that country of Germany, which, who the hell knows, you know, I never lived there. But, you know, and I don't know the full story, you know, but, you know, he bounced, you know, he left. And then, my, you know, then Yost was born in East Germany, you know, and half black, half white. And, you know, we know how it is in America, you know, I mean, he came out. You wouldn't have known what he was, you know, how much of what it was. I mean, he had an Afro. He was dark skinned. He was, you know, he was African. He was African German, not African American. But in America, you know, he he. In my high school, walking through the halls, you know, my high school was like 41% Caucasian, 40.5% African-American. And then like, you know, and then there was a big mix of Cambodian and Philippine and Chinese and all types of different Asian, you know, Indian and just, just everything. Man, my high school was beautiful. I loved it. So like he just fit right in. You know, he didn't really walk by this kid and think he was German. But let alone, he didn't walk by him and think he was, like, from East Germany. And so, you know, I just didn't want to see this guy go home and not get a taste of it. So it was me and my mom and dad sitting at the table, and they put it on me a little bit, you know. And I was like, yeah, well, let's do it. Like, let's do it. Like, I I can't, I don't want to, you know, this is not tooting my horn here. This is just, I didn't know what we were going to be really be in for, but I just couldn't see having this dude go home without really getting a taste of the United States. And I didn't know if we were going to be the best people to give it to him, but at least I know we were going to give him our taste. And, you know, and my friend group was just as eclectic as my high school, you know, growing up. Like I was, you know, it was it was just all types of folks, you know, from all different types of backgrounds, socioeconomic, race, whatever you want to call it. It was like everybody was just, you know, a great mix of people, and he was going to fit right in, is what I thought, and so we said, yeah, and I never really wrapped up 
with the people that I knew the girl, I knew the people that he left, you know, I knew, and I know he probably still in touch with them to some degree. And I know, I know it caused him some pain and I know it caused him some pain that he opted to stay, but move somewhere else too. You know, I know that wasn't a decision that really made them feel good. And I know he had to deal with some of that, but he came to live with me. I think it was that weekend and we had a guest room. He didn't move into my brother's room. My brother had his room. You know, still, even though he wasn't around. And I had my room. And then Yost lived right, you know, in the room right next door to me, which was, you know, had been like our guest room where like my grandma and grandpa would stay or whatever. They came to visit. But, you know, that became Yost's room. And and so that began another chapter of all of our lives that really opened up the doors to so many experiences and so many perspectives that all the way to today is like so valuable. That man, Yost, became my mom and dad's third kid, you know, that they never had. Their third son. I'm sure they'd hoped their their third child was a daughter if they had ever had one because they had two boys. But, you know, he became their third son. You know, we did so much together we man we did you know we went we we went on our family vacation we went to North Carolina I'll never forget that we we took him specific because he was going to leave you know that summer he was going back and he was going back for good basically essentially and so we wanted to make sure we got him down to our spot our spot that we always went to in North Carolina and like we went down there for my dad's 50th birthday and you know I had a job. I was a busboy at a restaurant that spring. And, you know, me and my mom and my brother saved up and bought my dad a telescope. And and Yost was there for that. We, I remember looking at the moon on the, you know, some walkway to some beach, some public walkway to a beach with my dad and him. And that's just one of the memories. You know, there's another one. Like, my mom, man, it's crazy. It's some, some crazy things, man, that we did. Like, my mom. My mom, I'll never forget. Yost was 16 years old. And so maybe 17. Maybe he turned 17 in March. I think his birthday's in March. And uh, he he went and got a tattoo on his forearm of Africa with like an eye on it and everything. Like an eyeball. And and my mom was the signer on that. My mom went. My mom, that that was a little far out. Like for my mom and dad. I mean, I guess I had broken them in by that point. But. That was like a stretch for them. I mean, she was the one. I mean, he, you know, she had to talk to her, his mom on the phone all the way in Germany. And, like, I don't know what type of conversation that was. But, you know, it was, it was all gravy, I guess. And, you know, it got to the point where, like, I was working, you know. I mean, next to full time, I was a busboy, like, five nights a week at a restaurant. You know, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday, day. And then probably one or two of the, you know, Monday or Tuesday. Whatever. I was working a lot. And it got to the point where, like, the phone would ring, and it'd be, like, one of my oldest, bestest friends. They'd be like, yo, is uh, Yost there? I'd be like, yo, man, dude, it's Tom, guy. You know, he 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 melted right in and became just a, one of the pack, man. He became a brother of mine and became, like, a, a best friend to so many. And, you know, the perspective that he gave all of us, that he gave me and my family specifically, the experience of bringing him into our house and then really really thinking about the responsibility about about what it was to you know show him our little corner of the earth 
as best we could. And, you know, we weren't, you know, I ain't no diplomat. I ain't no, you know, American diplomat representing America and Germany or whatever. But so who knows if I gave him the, the best view of it. But, you know, we had a blast, man. We did all types of stuff. We did the concerts and we, you know, we went to just had so many different experiences together. And when he left, you know, it was a pretty emotional time because I was leaving for high school and like in hindsight, when I think about my mom and dad, my brother had already bounced from the house and, and he and I, you know, he left in July and then I left in August and like, it just must've been a real quiet house for my mom and dad after that. Cause it had been so busy, you know, he had such a big group of boisterous and, you know, fun friends, you know, Male and female and black and white and green and red and orange and whatever color, you know, whatever you want to say, man. You know, it was just like just such an eclectic time of life. And to back all that out, you know, makes me think of my mom and dad and how quiet it must have been that fall, you know. But but Yost, you know, Yost went back to Germany and he started, he got a little, he got a little siced into the music business he became a uh you know i don't i know i don't i don't know fully exactly how he earned his living to be honest with you i mean it's still i'm still in crucial touch with him i mean we still text (coughs) facebook email whatever and he's been over a ton i mean like he came back like almost like it seemed like every summer for the first five or six summers i mean we were in North Carolina, we were over here, we were doing that, we were doing this, we were traveling together. I seen him over there in Europe twice, you know, I went and visited him actually in Germany, met his mom for the first time in in her apartment at one point, you know, later on when I took a month, when I went over to Europe for a little while, and then, and then another time, like, he didn't make it to my wedding, but me and my, my, she was my girlfriend at the time, but, you know, became my fiance and my wife, she... We were in Italy, and he, he met us up in Italy, and the three of us just got lost in the hills of Tuscany. And and then on top of that, you know, he, he's come, you know, the house I live in now, I've been here like 13 years. Then, you know, he's he's been here. He, he, we went camping in Rhode Island together with my wife and my daughter at the time who was potty training. My wife was nine months pregnant with my son, my first son. And so, you know, he's been back, and he's been a part of my life, you know, and I think the last time I saw him, you know, it was a couple years ago, he was back in town with his mom. He actually came and stayed with my mom for a little while. And my mom and dad down in Maryland, D.C. area. And uh, that was the last time I saw him. But I definitely have communicated with him all the way up, you know, all the way up until, you know, this week, I guess. You know, he and I, you know, we still stay in touch. He's still a brother. He's still a a really influential human being in my life, but... But he he got into the music scene over there. You know, he he was already in music over here. He was a sick drummer, you know, really sick drummer. Um, But became a lyricist, you know. He wrote a lot of rhymes. He wrote a lot of poetry, I think, when he was living with me. Um, And then when he went back over there, you know, he really, you know, he was always into hip-hop. And he put some some stuff down. You know, he put a couple records out. He's got a couple videos on YouTube, you know, and he... um, he really ran with it, you know. He, he really, as far as I know, he took that that music thing all the way to the end. You know, I, I don't know how much, 
you know, dough he raked in on it. I don't know, you know, if he uh, actually, you know, was able to survive just on the music for a while. I know he became a teacher, you know. He was a, he became like a, a capoeira. If you don't know what that is, you can Google it, but it's like a Brazilian type of kung fu, jiu-jitsu dance, kind of. But he, he was sick nasty at that. You know, I know he went to Brazil a couple times in competitions for capoeira. And I think he's taught, became a, you know, kind of like a instructor in Germany in that. And um, anyway, that's a crazy story, you know, a senior year in high school and having a exchange student knock on the door basically and say, yo, I'm going home if I can't live with you. And the perspective that it gave me, you know, was just one that I hope to pass on to my children to just don't be afraid of new experiences. You know, don't be afraid of what you might learn. You know, be afraid about missing opportunities and grow your relationships, you know, like those things in life. The legacy you leave behind when you're gone, because let's face it, we can't take none of this with us when we go, except for a dope suit, all your tattoos, a good watch, a sharp haircut, maybe. But other than that, everything is left behind, and the most lasting thing that gets left behind in my mind is the relationships, and the memories, and the and the people that remember the times that they had with you. And this dude, both he and I. To the day I die. To the day he dies. And a bunch of folks, too. You know, I'm speaking for a bunch of heads. Became friends with this guy. And, uh, you know, it was just an unreal experience that I'm so thankful for to this very day. And, you know, so that's my crazy story for this time around. You know, next time around, it's going to be a little more wild. I promise you that. You know, I don't mean to put no hooks out. I don't want to put no fishing hooks out. But, you know, next time around, it's going to be really about something crazy. Something good. Not, you know not going to put too many hooks out, but, um, but I did start a, I did put an email address together for this. Cause I, I'm lining up some folks that I want to talk to. I'm lining up some folks that, you know, I want to tell their story. I want them to tell their story and I want me to inter- interact with them about it. So, but, um, you know, but anybody listening to this wants to tell their story or wants to constructive criticism is always welcome, but, um, it's a uh, crazy stories 44 at gmail.com and my name's Tom and everybody's got a crazy story
just so versatile. Can't say you're off to be signing contracts. My mind reacts, treat your fame as a side effect. Got to protect my interests, my neck, and my empress. Gats couldn't scare if you'd hold him to my temples. Gats get used to get you back in hip hop, but the only get I got is busting rim shots. Can you hear the clock ticking?